Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Okay, the Tactical Yanks podcast is back in Pete. Holy crap, it's been a while. It's been, me and Pete still talk to each other here and there. Obviously, we're on vacation, but we kept in touch less than normal, but we were still talking. But it's been almost a month since we haven't been here in the podcast. Hopefully, everyone missed us. We will be talking about what we did this summer, a lot of exciting stuff. We'll be talking about a tweet we made this week that was not controversial, but for some people, it was for some reason. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to do ML, not MLS, sorry, U.S. men's national team transfers abroad. Some of them going back to MLS. But before we start, how are you doing, Pete? I'm doing great, man. I feel rested up. Um, took two weeks off, went around Europe, had an absolute blast, did some soccer stuff while I was there. But it's nice to be home. It's nice to be home and specifically because the season is starting again next week. So I'm really psyched. Yeah, and there's a lot to talk about in regards to our summer. I don't know if people are interested in this, but if they're not, you can just skip it on the podcast. (laughs) Just fast forward five or seven minutes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're going to just talk about a little bit what we did this summer. But I I know you went to Europe. Um, Mm -hmm. You did stop by Stanford Bridge. You Mm -hmm. did a vlog on Stanford Bridge on your channel. Uh, Clearly, your accuracy wasn't very good in the video in terms of – but it was the knee, right? It was the knee. I'm going to say it's the knee. Actually, what was interesting about that video was it looks relatively close on camera, but when you're actually there, it's about 15, 20 yards away, and you have to hit a very small hole, like the size of a head. So it's not that easy, but it was fun to do, and my knee swole up for the rest of the day, and I you know, regretted doing it, but it was still fun to do. What did you think of Stanford Bridge, honest opinion? Um, Smaller than I thought, honestly. It's an older stadium. It was built in the 70s, right? Uh, so they had, they can't, what's interesting is I went to Chelsea, I went to Stanford bridge and I went to the Tottenham Hotspur stadium on the same day. I did both tours and Chelsea is an older stadium. Tottenham just built theirs like three years ago. It's a world-class stadium. It is incredible. When you, when you're there, you realize how big it is and just how much effort they've put into it. Stanford bridge is only 41,000 seater, which for a club of that size is, is quite small actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that surprised me the most was how, small and old the dressing room and the press conference room like areas were like it was tiny like literally the size of like my living room almost i was very very surprised um and i guess that's because it's older right 
and they've tried to like dress it up and make it look nice. But any newer stadiums like Manchester City, you know, they've you could tell they've got like this world class facility. The Chelsea dressing room honestly was was very small. Same for the like the massage area where the physios like massage them before a game. It was like two beds in the corner. You know what I mean? It just it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it, but it, you could tell it's an older stadium. It hasn't been around for a while. I mean, it's been around for a while, so it isn't super modern or anything. But I mean, the cool part was the history, right? You got to see, you know, this was the original stadium and they built on top of it and gradually built over time. So it was very cool. I mean, I loved it. I just wish I had gone not in July so I could attend an actual game, you know? Um, I don't know if you saw, but I met a fan of the channel there. Yes. An American kid named Ryan from Atlanta was there and he looks at me and he's like, oh, hey, you're yeah. that guy. He didn't know my name. He was like, you're that guy on YouTube. I was like, yeah, yeah, Levin Yanks. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he wanted to know what I thought about Christian Roldan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Christian Roldan followed you to England, man. You can't Yeah, get but it was Roldan. cool to like go all the way. I've never been recognized here in the U.S. from the channel, but to like be recognized in England was pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. And then after the World Cup, you're going to be back in England. It's just going to be an Englishman, that bloody Yank. Oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cool to do. I mean, it's history, right? It's football lore. Soccer, uh, so it was I, really cool. I like that you mentioned that about the stadium of Stanford Bridge being old because I actually got two different experiences this summer. With, well, I got a, I went to a few stadiums, right? But there's two specific stadiums that I went to, which were special for different reasons. One was I went with my girlfriend to Mexico City, which, by the way, wonderful city. You mm -hmm. should definitely go there. Great food. I love it. It's 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 chaotic the city because there's yeah. so much going on, but it's a good chaotic. Yes. Um, so I stayed there in Mexico City with her for five days or so, almost a week, whatever. And it was great. And obviously, as I was there, I drove by the Pumas Stadium, which is an interesting stadium. It's not the most beautiful thing, but it's like made with like volcanic rocks. It's it's different when you look at it, huh. right? The Pumas Stadium. And then I went to the Azteca. Right, which I had to go. I went to Maracana many times, and I really wanted to go to Azteca because it is actually quite similar. For, um, um, the architecture from the inside reminds. There's some things that remind of the Maracana Stadium in Rio in Brazil, and it what fascinated me from the Azteca is what you talked about too. In Stamford Bridge, the locker room, everything inside is very old. Mm. You can see it. They try to do some improvements, but it's quite old and not. It doesn't seem very comfortable being completely honest uh it definitely needs renovations in there but obviously when you get to the stadium and you see the stands the field it's it's beautiful and it's just a monster stadium that i highly recommend people visiting i was gonna do a vlog about it to show everyone but unfortunately they didn't let me record i don't know why no one was allowed to record mm. so all i did was put pictures on instagram and hopefully people enjoy that but then i went to the other one which was special a little bit because of the stadium, because it's just like you said, it's a world class stadium, NRG. It's the mm -hmm. NFL stadium for the Houston Texans. And I went there for Manchester City versus Club America. And I saw the locker room, I saw everything around. Uh, we had media access for that one. And it's just a completely different level compared to the Azteca in terms of how modern it is. Mm -hmm. And then I had that crazy experience that I showed you where I'm in the game. I'm in the game and I'm covering the game. I'm having access to all these players. It was awesome. And then towards the end, me and my girlfriend are in the field. And then 
reporters are all just going in the field while the Manchester City players are celebrating. I'm just like, am I allowed here? And I just start walking, walking. All of a sudden, when I got closer, it's just like I, I had Jack Grealish right in front of me. And then Ederson, Kaiki, and and I looked to my side and Pep Guardiola is next to me. I was like, holy crap, what is going on here? Um, it was an unreal experience. I did the vlog and people probably yeah. seen it by now. And uh and and then I, I had the the to me the favorite moment was me yelling to Jack Grealish. Um, it's called Soccer Jack, yelling to him. He finally looks back. I waved to him, I asked him for a picture. He comes on laughing and takes a picture. So yeah, guys, look, Jack Grealish. I know he looks like a douchebag, but at least to me, he took it as a joke and was pretty nice to me. Um, so maybe the douchebag vibes is something just in the field. <laughs> he saves um, that for when he's playing Spanish teams in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but overall, that was like an insane experience. And then obviously I went also to a Houston Dynamo game here, which was cool. They gave me a jersey um, with my name on the back. A beautiful jersey. I like, the, I like most MLS jerseys. I like most of them. I like Adidas. That's the thing. I yeah. prefer Adidas. So um, that was also fun. I got to watch a little bit of Hector Herrera, which, by the way, man, he looked gassed the whole game. Oh, really? Yes. I would be a little bit worried if I was L3 fan, an L3 fan of him coming into the World Cup because Hector Herrera started the game gassed. I don't know if it's lack of motivation or he doesn't care anymore, but they're probably going to need another midfielder for the World Cup right there because I, I can't see them doing well with him starting, him and Guardado. But that's... Not for this talk, but that's what we did this summer. Okay. I've got two more things I want to say oh. I did. I did also go to Camp Nou because I've always wanted to go to Barcelona. Did you go my... in? Yeah. I went inside. Mm -hmm. I saw the locker rooms. I went onto the, they wouldn't let us onto the field, but into the stands, um, the press room. And similar to Stanford Bridge, it's a very old stadium. Mm -hmm. You can tell when you're there, but it's tiered, stacked on top of each other, right? So it's three stacks, right? And you can just tell the atmosphere would be electric, electric if it was full. And again, I was just sitting there kind of absorbing the history of the stadium, who all has played here, went to the museum and saw some of the old football boots they used to play in and leather, you know, like high top, almost like basketball shoes with studs on the bottom made out of leather that they had. You didn't do a vlog for it? I didn't do a vlog for it because I just didn't know how much interest there would be. And like, again, we couldn't, it was all the same things, locker room, press room, field, you know, press box. It was fine, but like I'd already done that with Chelsea. I didn't think there was going to be a ton of interest. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was a very cool experience to go there and see it. And the other thing I did, which was actually very interesting, was I was staying in Milton Keynes with my friend. It's about an hour and a half north of London, and they had the women's Euros going on over there at that time. And my friend was like, I've got free tickets to a women's Euros game. I think it was Denmark versus Finland. And I was like, eh, why not? I'll check this out, you know, a chance to see a game in a, in a stadium there. And Milton Keynes is in League One. Milton Keynes Dons is the name of that team. 30,000-seater stadium for a League One. This is the third division of England. I walked inside, pristine stadium, beautifully done, like bigger than most MLS stadiums. I was really impressed. But what I was also impressed by was the way that they are trying to generate interest in the women's game. Now, you went to the stadium. It was all children. It was all schools because what they had done was they had gone to schools and they had given free tickets to schools and said, bring your kids, you know, and they knew they weren't going to sell out a stadium for a women's game, like especially not Denmark versus Finland. So they're just trying to generate interest in the women's game. And I remember looking around me, seeing like, you know, 90% kids in the stadium and thinking they're really trying to promote this to children. 
because they understand that if children learn to love something early, they might come back later in life, you know? And I thought that was an interesting sort of takeaway for some of the things that we do here in America and the way we promote or don't promote the game enough. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but it was a cool experience. The quality of the game was, you know, not great as you would probably guess. Uh, but it was still a fun experience to be there, you know, and see a, st- a, a game live in England, even if it was a women's Euros game. Yeah. And again, we're going to get into it very soon. Maybe MLS, USL, some other U.S. soccer leagues here should adopt a similar strategy in terms of promoting it. Um, it it's not because the league is growing that everything's being done correctly. That's what no. sometimes people need to understand. It doesn't mean it can't be done better. It doesn't mean there's things, things missing. Sometimes... Sometimes you do grow by default. Sometimes that happens. Well, also, money. when you say the league is growing, what do you mean? Because we're growing by expanding into new markets, right? Making new teams. That's how the league is growing. But in terms of TV figures, like TV ratings and attendance, the league is actually not growing. The mm-hmm. league is very stale in those aspects of the game. But we can mm-hmm. get into that. Yeah. Let's, why, don't, why, don't we, why don't we get into that right now, right? Because it's not really an episode about, even though... People think we're always about bashing MLS, which it's kind of funny how they say we hate MLS, but the Houston Dynamo put me on a VIP section, give me a jersey. Charlotte FC invites both of us to their inaugural game. Um, Austin gave me media passes. Uh, but apparently the, the people that say MLS hates us, but it looks like MLS itself doesn't hate us. But no. would, Max no. Bredos even messaged me once saying that, if I was in LA to let him know because he would try to give me tickets or access in LA. So even though many think and say that we hate MLS, it doesn't look like MLS sees it that way. So um, no. But this was the tweet that we tweeted. And I'm gonna read mine and then I'm gonna read yours because me and Pete quote tweeted a tweet from ESPN FC that shows 80,000 people filled in the stadium. I believe it was in Green Bay to watch Manchester City in Bayern Munich in the United States. 80,000. That wasn't just one game, okay? There were many games that were packed. The one I was here, Manchester City and Club America, 61 or 62,000 people. And these are clubs that are not American, right? They're not American clubs. It's very hard to do this in a foreign country. What I tweeted, which is completely not controversial in my opinion, was the U.S. does not lack soccer fans. There's more than enough here. What it lacks is interest in the domestic leagues, leagues, not just MLS, all leagues, and to a certain extent, the national team. Better work can be done from the league and the federation. That's what I tweeted. Now, for the same tweet, Pete tweeted this. He said, amazing. Americans love the beautiful game. USSF just needs to give them a reason to pay attention more than once every four years. And MLS needs to give them a reason to, t- to pay attention every week. So I don't see anything controversial. I just see more of like <laughs> us almost asking, do better. There is things to do better. Obviously, on Twitter, there's only so much you can write. We're not going to write 27 tweets explaining our point. We've done this in many podcasts here. And maybe it's time for us to um, explain a little yeah. bit of, of what we meant there because, you know, some people took it the wrong Okay, some people, I'll probably say like three or four. Yeah, okay. very, very small minority. I think the yeah. majority of people agree with Three us. Three or four that are just very sensitive and don't accept any type of criticism to USA. And I don't even mention MLS in my specific tweet. Yeah. And they came in like all defensive about MLS. Okay. 
But let's talk about what you were saying. For example, uh, the first thing I wanted to say was maybe Orlando City. Or do you want to go first? Do you want me to talk no, about you Orlando go ahead. City? Go ahead. I'll talk about Orlando City because it's definitely the club that I will know the most of how they work, how they impact the community, what they do right, what they do wrong. I don't want to talk about MLS as a whole because there's different franchises that run it in different ways, right? Some of them do a great job. Some of them don't. Orlando City, to me, um, is one that doesn't do that great of a job in some aspects with the community, right? Uh, I'll give one example right away. Orlando City was a club that I did reach out. I wanted to make a vlog for them for free. I always do the vlogs for free. It's just for the channel. I didn't charge them anything. I just wanted media access, okay? So I could get access to the field, make it a fun experience for people to actually care about the vlog because MLS videos on YouTube don't do very well. Um, you know that, Pete. <laughs> so, but uh, So I asked them for the media pass. And one of the main reasons why I asked for a media pass was because I didn't want to go on the stands, attendance, because the games are sort of empty, okay? Yeah. So it wasn't going to be a good look, and I don't want to make a video making Orlando City look bad, okay? I don't want to lie to people. But I also don't want to make a video where they look bad. I don't think that would be nice for my part. So when I reached out to Orlando, uh, they told me the response was for me to go buy a ticket. Yeah, it's phenomenally stupid. I buy like, tickets. I, I don't need them to tell me that. I'm asking for something different so I can yeah. show a different experience. So it's just, again, the short-sightedness in American soccer that exists at the federation level it exists in many MLS clubs where let's look at Orlando when they first started. What was it? 2014 was their first season. Okay. I think it was 16, 16 or 15, 16 or 15. I can't remember right now. Oh, yeah. 15, I think it was 15, 15 yeah. was their first year. So it's been seven years. They started off with crowds of 40, 50,000 at camping world stadium. Well, I think at one point we hit 60 with Kaka's debut. Yeah. So 60,000. Okay. And this is sort of what we see in Charlotte right now. Very big numbers. Then they built Exploria, 26,000, decent-sized stadium. And attendance has been dropping ever since. Turn on an Orlando. I just did, by the way, an Orlando versus Philadelphia Union stream. I'm such an MLS hater. I did a live watch-along for an MLS game on Saturday. And I remember looking around at the stands, thinking to myself, why is a 26,000-seater stadium at least half empty? Maybe more. From what I could tell, it looked about half empty. So, And this is the story of a lot of MLS teams, Right. As when they start, there's all this hullabaloo, oh, blah, 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 look. And then what happens? Year after year after year, they just gradually decline in attendance. This even for big teams. Atlanta has dropped. Seattle has dropped. LAFC has dropped. Um, they used to sell out every stadium in the first two, every game in the first two, three years. It just gradually goes down. So when the novelty wears off, you have to find a way to get people coming back. And there's lots of reasons why people don't come back or don't engage. And we can talk about that. But when you have an opportunity to get a decent sized YouTube channel to promote your brand for free, and all you have to do is give them something that costs them nothing, a press pass, mm -hmm. why would you not do it, right? You have 21, 22,000 subscribers on your channel. Why mm -hmm. would they, somebody in marketing not say this is a great opportunity to show our brand by partnering with Filippo, who, by the way, worked for us for many years in our academy, helping to develop players. Why would you not do that? That doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. And I can even add one story here because people were not people. Again, it was like one or two accounts saying that I was lying about it. So I want to add context to this, too. I tweeted out also saying that I have a company in Orlando that is an after school soccer company. OK, 
we work with 14 schools and I have a little bit over 300 students registered every school year. Sometimes it can go a little bit higher than that, but let's just say 300 for the sake of this argument. And I don't just own the company. I also go and coach. I go there and I coach the kids. And I didn't. So some people thought I was doing like a survey with the kids. I didn't do a survey. What I would do every week when Orlando City was playing, I would at the end of practice, bring some of the kids together. And then I would do that throughout the school year and just ask them like, hey, who's going to the Orlando City game this weekend? Who's going to go see coach there? And I started to notice every time I would do that, no one was ever going. So I decided to start asking the kids every time I do that, who knows what Orlando City is? No one knew. Until mm. eventually I found some Brazilians in one of the schools that I coached that they knew because their parents took them to a game because Orlando City has a big Brazilian influence. So, But they didn't know the name of any players. Mm. right? I think at the time they knew Nani. That was like last year. Right. They knew Nani. So that just shows poor engagement with the community because my soccer schools are all in Orlando. And these yeah, are kids that are kids playing play soccer. soccer. They're playing soccer. So what are they doing here? The, the stadium is not full. Go to middle schools. Go to elementary schools. Give away tickets. Go to soccer schools. Go to whatever. If you give away three, 400 tickets, you're not packing the stadium. Get these kids there. Some of them will like it. Some won't care. Some will stay. Over the long term, it builds up. Rather than, than your attendance going down, it goes up. Plus, when parents go to the game for free, they're going to end up spending money with food. Maybe they'll buy a jersey. Yeah, um, pay $45 for parking. Post a picture. Post a picture. Then more people might be, oh, you went there. Was it cool? Oh, you liked it? Oh, maybe I'll bring my kids. So yeah, the job is just very poorly done. Um, I, I could go into more details. I don't want to because I don't feel like I don't feel like shitting on a club. Uh, I'm just giving some very s small examples of the, the job being poorly done. But you're not shitting on a club. You're highlighting ways that they can be better. Well, but if I keep going here, it's just like everything's poorly done. That's the thing. <laughs> I'll tell. Okay, want a bigger example? Yeah. This weekend, the game you were watching, Orlando and Philly, at the same time. A couple miles away from Explodia at Camping World Stadium, which is a much larger stadium, Chelsea and Arsenal were playing. They scheduled the freaking game at the same time. And the worst part is Soccer United Marketing, some, is the one that organizes the Florida Cup. Are you sure it's not Reliance? I'm pretty sure it's some because I was going to do media passes because I know people. And it was through some that I would get media passes. Oh, I see. The Florida Cup was through some. Um, so I, I could be wrong if someone, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm fine with people calling me out on it. But when I went to do the media passes for the Florida cup, which I was going to go in Las Vegas, but they were very confusing and there were issues and I ended up not going, um, it was soccer United marketing. Yeah. So why would you do that? Right. Why would you, this is just another example. Like it, let's say it wasn't some, let's say they Florida cup just scheduled it. If I'm MLS or Orlando City, I try to change the time of my game. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, I get what you're saying. That's to me more of an isolated incident because even when there is no other game happening, it's not like their attendance is full or even 80% full. No, but it's like these attention to details that matter, right? It's yeah. one here, one there, one on the other place. It's all these little details matter when you're trying to get as many fans as you can. The Premier yeah. League wouldn't care. If MLS is playing there, they're like, play at the same time. Who gives a crap? We have we have our foundation. We have our fan. MLS doesn't. No. Right? And 
I don't know, man. It's just like these little details to me are a problem when you're trying to grow and especially a place like Orlando that has been struggling with attendance and everything, but it's not just an Orlando problem. That's to make it clear. Well, it's the same in LA, which is a huge soccer, like hotbed in the country, Southern California. I had two groups of, of, uh, you know, guys that I would play with before I did my ACL. One of them was like Mexican guys in the park. Okay, I used to ask them, anybody know LA Galaxy, LAFC? Ah, no, we don't care. We don't watch that. Okay, understandable, maybe. They watch Liga Mekis. Then I used to go play on turf in a school, like a school field with high school, college, and like guys in their 20s and 30s. So a very broad sort of spectrum, about 30, 40 guys total. I used to ask them all the time, anybody go LA Galaxy, LAFC? What? No. And these guys talk about soccer all the time. They watch soccer, Champions League, Premier League, whatever. They don't care about MLS. And what I find interesting is people's response to that often is, oh, that's just because they're snobs. When you have a product and nobody is consuming your product, the response should never be, oh, they don't, they're, they're just snobs. They don't like us because they have bad attitudes. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing wrong that people who love soccer in this country, who are passionate about soccer, don't care about you? Now, I have some theories as to why that is. But it's probably multiple possible things. And the attitude and the mentality should be, what are we doing wrong? How can we do it better? How can we engage with community more? Why are tickets to go see LAFC $80? That's the cheapest tickets you can get right now. 80 bucks to see an MLS team. Come on. Yeah, they're a good MLS team, but still an MLS team. This is the other thing that surprised me. When I was in the Chelsea store at Stamford Bridge, I was like, how much are these jerseys? And I thought, oh, this Pulisic jersey is going to be too expensive. I go look at the price tag. It's 75 pounds. So you're talking about maybe 90 bucks for one of the best teams in the world that just won the Champions League last year. MLS teams, when I go to the stadium, if I want to buy a jersey from LAFC or whatever, it's anywhere from 100 to $170. So it's more expensive to buy an MLS jersey than it is to buy a Chelsea jersey, one of the best teams in the world. Why is that? And I think it's because MLS would rather make money than have everybody in the city wearing an LAFC jersey. They would rather the few people who can afford that, right, or buy that, pay more than what it's worth in order to get profit rather than say, let's price our jerseys really cheap. Let's price them at 50 bucks. We'll still make a profit, but we'll have more jerseys around the city. It's a free branding, right? If you drive around a city and there's a bunch of LAFC jerseys, you're like, oh, what's that? Oh, LAFC, are they? Oh, they're the soccer team. They seem pretty popular. Maybe I can check them out. It's just, Everything feels like let's overprice tickets, let's overprice jerseys, let's overprice being a soccer fan in America. And this goes to the Federation too, right? Tickets to go to a national team game and forget that that they don't play outside the Midwest and Texas and Florida sometimes, the three spots that the U.S. plays. It's the same thing. And this goes back to me, to what I said to you one time. I don't think the Federation wants the game to become huge in this country. Because if it does, they will lose control. I think that U.S. soccer wants to maintain enough interest in the game in order to fund their operations, but not so much that they will lose power and control over the game. Because once it's a global or once it's a national level game where everybody cares, you have national level media covering it, everybody's giving their opinion, there's more scrutiny on you, right? And I don't think they want that. I think they want the game to remain niche They want to cater to a small group of fans who are cheerleaders, who love them, who will pay for the tickets, and it will keep them afloat, but they don't have to deal with the pressure and the scrutiny that comes with being a big sport in this country. And I think that thread 
goes all the way through U.S. soccer and all the way through MLS. Yeah, I think it's not even on purpose. I think it that, that what you just said could be just like a defense mechanism, just a personal defense mechanism from the person on their subconscious level, right? Not even like on purposely trying to sabotage it. Um, one thing I want to add too is on that. No, same not purposely point. trying to sabotage it, but not doing enough to make sure you engage with every possible soccer fan in this country. I mean, we're going to a World Cup. There should be billboards in big cities in America. Christian Pulisic in Qatar, right? Why are we not seeing anything about this? Why is there no advertisement apart from on Fox when you're watching a soccer game and during halftime there might be a, a quick ad? There's no advertisement. There's no trying to get Because we're spending America. money in lawsuits. Yeah, exactly. But it's not that they don't. I don't believe they don't have money. And again, every company in the world understands in order to get new customers, you have to advertise. And I just don't see that from U.S. soccer. I don't even see it from MLS. We have two teams in this city, two teams. And yet they're, most of the city doesn't know about it. Yeah, I think one thing that bothers me the most is uh, the sensitivity level of some MLS fans or media members, right? The tweet we put out was essentially just saying we can do better, right? There's a lot of untapped potential in the United States. And even I think Manuel Veth pulled up some stats like supporting us saying, yeah, there's a lot to grow here. Uh, Manuel put that out. And what happened essentially was. Um, can you real quick? I don't mean to cut yeah. you off. Can you read what Manuel tweeted? Manuel Veth? Because um, I thought that was fascinating just to show people how much soccer interest there is in this country. It's on your tweet. Yeah, Manuel put this. He said 130 million people in the United States follow, he said football, soccer. That's what he meant. 25 million active players, 18 million of those under 18. I know what you mean, a lot of untapped potential. And then he said, this is from the Bayern, the, the final Bayern press conference, in case you wonder where the source is. And those are massive numbers. So, of course, when he says 25 million active players, he's not saying like, academy or professionally saying people playing soccer people that love this sport that want to play it and probably play, if you play it you probably watch it to some degree um maybe not too much but enough right to have interest I, the problem is when you put something like that a lot of the responses were positive saying yes let's do better people started to give suggestions of what they wanted what they want to see which is constructive it's great but then you have some of these mls shills and um drama queen accounts that got very angry with the tweets and some of them even accusing me and you of being responsible for MLS not growing because we are negative about MLS. I'll tell you, I just want to say one thing about it. First of all, that is extremely disingenuous to say, and it's actually kind of disgusting to say because you're assuming the entire U.S. soccer fan base is completely ignorant towards what soccer is or what good soccer is or what they want to watch that they're basing their opinion on what two guys on youtube say can we maybe make people think sure i can put my opinion peak and put and people will think about it but u.s soccer fans are smart enough to know what they like and what they don't like and if they like something they're not going to not watch it because Philippe or pete said it was crap or it was bad even though we never said mls was crap we never yeah. did that in mls clubs recognize that but these accounts that are actually they're they're pretty much they're, they are the toxic ones for mls because i even just being honest with you sometimes when i read their replies of any criticism or anything i talk about mls i don't want to watch mls they make me not want to watch it and then yeah. i remind myself wait Filippo, hold on 
that's two or three accounts. You can't yeah. get bothered by them. And then I go back and I, I, it literally lasts like two minutes, but, but anyhow, they need to just stop that. If they look, if they don't like what I have to say, or what you have to say, block us, do whatever you want, but don't go on this like sensitive, like reply. One guy posted like seven pictures of MLS on my thread. It was like spamming it. I don't know what I asked if he was drunk. What was wrong with him? <laughs> I was like, what was wrong with you? What What's going on here? Uh, uh, they need to grow up. They need to stop thinking U.S. soccer fans are stupid and understand that the only way the league is going to make a next jump is if they listen to these fans and try to balance out their economic interest and what the fans want to watch. If they can balance that out, they'll make a lot of money and they're going to get more fans involved. That's all we're asking for. Yeah. That's all it is. It's also like we all want MLS to grow. We want MLS to be a big league in this country, a top three league, I think is the goal. But then the min but then the minute you criticize it, it's like, oh no, 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 you can't do that. You're acting like it's a Mickey Mouse league. You're acting like this is U5 soccer, right? Four-year-olds where you don't really criticize them. You just bring out the pom-poms and you're like, oh yeah, you guys are great. Go. That's what they're acting like. If you want to be a big time league, which both you and I want MLS to be, because we think it would be good for the game in this country, you have to understand that criticism is part of that. Criticism is part of growth. If you have criticism, it means people feel passionately about it and they want it to be better. And that's why they criticize. People criticize the NBA or NBA teams or NBA managers or whatever. They do the same thing with NFL. That's what it means to be a big time league. You want an attention and spotlight on the game here, but then you can't under, you can't accept the possibility that maybe some criticism will come along with that. It makes no sense to me. For MLS to grow, we have to embrace different ideas. We have to embrace criticism and we have to embrace that maybe we're not doing as good a job as we think we are and like i said earlier attendance is down and tv ratings have not done they've not grown in like 10 years they're all hovering around two to three hundred thousand per game so for me that tells me they're not doing a good enough job of bringing the sport to the public in america or they're doing a great job of it but the public in america is like no thanks the soccer loving public is like that's not for me so yeah. Pete, can we just add one thing real quick, just so people don't call us out on that? Uh, they, there is this narrative being pushed, which is a true one. It is true that MLS has good attendance compared to other leagues in the world, which is true. The attendance in MLS is not bad compared to other leagues in the world. It's pretty good. But then you get seven. what? I think it's top seven. Yeah, which is good. It's yeah, it's better good. than what it it's ranked higher in attendance than it is in terms of its quality, right? The quality is lower than top seven, but the attendance of, but again, um, compared to many countries in the world, MLS has bigger stadiums, believe it or not. Um, the United States also, people have disposable income and can afford it. You go to a country a like Brazil. population than any of the other leagues. Bigger population. The, the teams are always in big cities. So there's a lot that plays in favor of MLS. Plus Americans have money to spend, right? Some yeah. countries... Um, I can speak on behalf of Brazil. A lot of the fans can't go because if they go, they can't afford food. Yeah. Okay. So don't use that as the metric. That's what I'm saying. Look at TV ratings and the TV ratings are horrendous. Okay. Terrible. They're very bad and they haven't been growing. But but anyhow, um, what we want is for MLS to grow, USL to grow, these leagues to grow. And if, if everyone thinks about it, me and Pete, it's not just because this. we also have it's not just because we love the sport, but even financial interest. If it grows, our YouTube channels grow. 
Yeah. It's money for us too. More viewers, yeah. more fans. So just being completely open with everyone. It's it is interesting for us. That's what we want. We don't the last thing me and Pete need or want is for MLS or USL to fail. No. It's probably going to drag our channels along with it. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, if it fails, it means that the interest in soccer in this country has failed, right? Yes. So we want success, but we look objectively at it and say, in order to be successful, we need to do more of this, this, and this. And when we point that out, some people struggle with that idea. Yeah. I just want to make one thing clear too. I'm not for accounts that just go and tweet saying MLS is shit because- No. Yeah, because then you're just saying it's shit, but what is shit about it? What can it improve? Um, why is it shit? What's your definition of shit? Because there's worse leagues in the world out there that oh, actually yeah. have better ratings. The, the people watch it more. So there's a lot of work to be done with um, MLS, USL. Obviously, the worst one of them all, in my opinion, is the Federation. It's not even close. Yeah. It's by far the worst. They are truly incompetent. I don't think MLS or USL are incompetent. I just think they're short-sighted at times but i don't think there's incompetence there the the federation to me is just straight up incompetence and yeah but pete can i go through our sponsor real quick yes let's do the sponsor and thank you DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast once again as they always do right now DraftKings sportsbook is giving new customers risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars all you have to do is download the DraftKings sportsbook app right now use the promo code T-B-P-N. That is in T-B-P-N. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's a promo code T-B-P-N only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, so don't forget to go there. Bet with responsibility as always. And thank you very much, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast once again. And as I said, DraftKings Sportsbook and use the code T-B-P-N. You'll be supporting the podcast or the YouTube channels in the process. And as always, we are going to read a review from uh, Apple Podcasts. Thanks for all the ratings and reviews you guys have given us. It really helps the podcast to grow because the more ratings and reviews you have, positive ratings, obviously, the more, the higher up the ranking, you know, they'll show it to new people. So this is a great one uh, from Cicero9962. The, the title is Great Soccer Commentary. He says, I have followed Pete and Filippo on YouTube for the last year or so and decided to check out their podcast. Great discussion and content on issues impacting the world of football and the USMNT. I don't always agree, but they get me thinking, and they always have solid reasons for their opinion. It's a nice change from mainstream narratives that turn a blind eye to problems in the USMNT organization and MLS. Thank you very much for that review, and thank you to every single one of you who has um, you know, rated and reviewed us. We have a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. So, mm-hmm. No MLS guys found our – sorry, not MLS guys. None of these sensitive MLS guys have found our podcast yet. Lucky well, they us. might because we have five one-stars. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. So they, they, we have those are the five, five, five stars. So Those are the five accounts. But, Pete, now moving to a more happy topic, even though that topic is happy and constructive as well, but something we want to talk about is – Ever since we went on vacation, a lot of U.S. men's national team transfers happened abroad. Some back to MLS, some just within abroad. Um, I don't think any happened from MLS going to Europe this window so far. Um, yeah. But yeah, why don't we? What you wanted to go through them, right? All of them. Yeah. Or what did you well, want I was to do? Thinking, rank them? There's 15 total transfers uh, of Americans this summer. 
mostly to Europe or within Europe, rather. Sorry. Meaningful ones, you mean, right? Because obviously, if there was a transfer on the second division of Turkey, there's like some weird. Yeah, there, there might be some more that we don't know about, but 15 that we are aware of. And um, two of them were from Europe back to MLS, which is also a good thing, in my opinion. Uh, I, I was wondering, why don't we rate our top five transfers? So not necessarily mm -hmm. the most expensive or the most high profile, but top five, top five transfers most beneficial to the national team as we head to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. okay. So let's start with the first one. Um, I'm going to start with my first one. For me, my, my best transfer this summer was Zach Steffen to Middlesbrough because it was very important for me that our goalkeeper at, in Qatar be playing regularly. And it was essentially between Matt Turner and Zach Steffen. Um, and Matt Turner is not going to be playing anymore, right? He's now at Arsenal. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the fact that he drops down a level, goes to the championship, which is still a good league, a very tough league for a good team like Middlesbrough and becomes their number one, um, I think we'll get a clearer picture of what he's looking like going into Qatar. If he's still error prone, if he's still injured a lot, then at least we have an idea of, of how he is. Rather than when he's at Manchester City and he plays once every six or seven weeks, and he has one game to impress. And if he does poorly, he doesn't get another game right away to sort of put that behind him and improve. So that's my favorite transfer of this summer. Number one for me is Zach Steffen to Borrow. So my number one is going to be Luca Del Torre to Celta de Vigo. Um, he got, they got relegated in the Divisi. So if he stayed there, it would have been a disaster for him and for the U.S. men's national team. He's been playing at a much lower level, a much lower level than MLS even. Right, the Divisi second division. You might as well go to MLS, and it's going to be much better for the national team. Um, it's it's almost as if Luca Del Toro is probably playing like a USL level, like league, which for the national team it doesn't cut it nowadays. Um, Celta de Vigo, he probably won't need to play ever a defensive role uh, as a six. They do have Renato Tapia, that's the six for Peru, a very good one, by the way. Uh, they have Aspas up top, the veteran that flopped at Liverpool, but very good La Liga player, always getting around 15 goals every season. So he'll have someone to feed that if he creates opportunities, Aspas can score. The team is much better. It's a mid-table team in La Liga, and it's also a league that fits Luca De La Torre's playing style. So yeah, I don't want to say it's the perfect transfer. We need to see how it will play out, but it was a very good transfer in theory. Now, yeah. now when it happens, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So De La Torre was my second as well. So I'll just mm -hmm. head off with that. What I like the most about that transfer too is what you said. It's the style of play suits him. And again, like you said, having a guy who can finish chances because he created a lot of chances in Holland um, for Heracles, but he they were just very poor at finishing chances. And I think it might not be like right away he's a starter and blowing up. There's going to be an adjustment period, I think, for him going from Holland to La Liga. But I think it's the perfect medium level to, to go there. It's tougher than you're used to and you have to adapt but also a level that's low enough, a team that's low enough to fit what he can do. If he had gone to Manchester City or Juventus, I think that might have been too high a level for him right off the bat. So my number two is going to be Pifak to Union Berlin. Um, Pifak played in Liga a, a few years back and eh, right, wasn't very good there. Went to the Swiss League. And as Greg Berhalter said, when you kill it in one level, you got to go to the next one. Wasn't that what Greg said about transfers? I actually agree with that. And he did kill it in Switzerland, 22 goals in the league, got a couple goals in the Champions League, and he moved up another level, which is a top five league. Bundesliga gets another opportunity with a club that was fifth place in Bundesliga last season, so a very good team, but a team that also doesn't have that much depth 
they also lost their center forward that had, I don't know, had a lot of goals for them in the Bundesliga. I forgot his name. He went to Nottingham Forest, uh, the Nigerian center forward that they lost, and PFOC will be there. So he'll probably get minutes. He goes to a top five league, goes to a competitive club where he it's time for him to prove himself at that level. So again, in theory, wonderful. We'll see how it goes, but I like that. That's my number two. So actually that was my number two as well, but I'm going to three, three, you're three. You mean, I mean, that was my number three. I'm sorry. I'm going to step by though, because I think, and this is a, it might be a surprise to some people. I'm going to go with Joe Akini to Orlando. Hmm. I, I like Joe Akini. I think he's a classic center forward. Um, at Montpellier, he wasn't really getting, uh, he wasn't playing in as a forward. He was playing as a winger, sort of like Josh Sargent at Norwich. I think at Orlando, I hope at least he'll get an opportunity to play as a center forward. I don't know. I think Pareja is still going to start Cara. <sighs> okay. Well, either way, he's going to get playing time there, yeah. which he wasn't getting as much of at Montpellier. And I think it's a good move for him to come back to play in MLS, which is a significantly easier league to play in to rebuild some confidence and then he still just turned 22 like two days ago so i like that move a lot i think that mls is a perfect place for guys who are maybe struggling they've had one or two teams in europe and they need to sort of re-kickstart their career again you know sort of jump start it come back to mls if you ball out in mls you can always go back to europe he's 22 he's not 29 right if you don't, if you're a decent MLS player, you can still have a good career playing in MLS, getting paid money to play soccer. So that's what MLS is really good for, to be honest, apart from player development, but to be a place to come back to and just sort of jumpstart your career again. And because we don't have a ton of forwards, I think any forward going to a place where he'll play is a good thing. So I'm going to go with Joe Akini to Orlando for my number three. So now is my third one, right? Um, I'm going to go with Malik Tillman to Rangers. Mm -hmm. Uh, he wasn't going to see the field for Bayern. That's just the truth. And he needed a transfer. I also don't think maybe Bundesliga is his level yet from what I've watched last season and what I watched the U.S. men's national team. So he goes to a weaker league, uh, honestly, probably about the level of Major League Soccer, uh, Scottish League. But he goes to a club that is very strong, made it to the Europa League final last season, um he'll have to fight he's not gonna be a he's he might not even be a starter there so i liked it i think malik tillman's transfer to rangers can be beneficial from him again as i always say for every transfer in theory how it's gonna go in real life we'll see but i i, I rank that one my third one number four for me is brendan aronson to leeds united um mm -hmm. again it's gonna be interesting to see how he adapts to the premier league it is a big jump from the austrian league to the premier league uh but he needed to make that move. He'd spent a year and a half uh, at Salzburg, played in the Champions League, right? Did reasonably well in the Champions League, got two assists against Bayern Munich. He was at a level where he was almost, I don't want to say too good for Salzburg, but he was at the upper echelon of like, okay, it's time to move on. And he goes to a place where Jesse Marsh believes in him. He fits the style of play. Is he going to have to adapt to the speed and speed of play and the quality of the Premier League? Yes. But he did, you know, I think he went to a low enough team that he'll get minutes. He'll get minutes. How will it go? We don't know. We don't know how this is going to work out for Brendan, but I like the move. I think it was a reasonably good move uh, where he's going to be challenged day in and day out. He's going to experience the Premier League, both sides of the game, the defending, the work rate, the tactics. And I think it's going to be good for him. I think it's going to be a good move for Leeds too. Yeah, that's the one we... No, I wouldn't say I disagree. Um, I, I'm happy for Brendan and Tyler. I, I just feel like I'm super 
skeptical of those leads transfers or a little bit maybe too pessimistic about it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they do just fine. And um, even though I understand it's perfectly – Brendan might struggle a little bit more to adapt than Tyler because Tyler was already playing Bundesliga, that the gap to the Premier League is much smaller than Austria. But I'm a little bit more pessimistic about that one. Can I give my four and five together? Because it's kind of like the same idea. Sure. My four and five, it doesn't matter the order. It's just Zach Steffen and Eaton Horvath because mm -hmm. it flips the situation with Matt Turner. Matt yeah. Turner might not play now for Arsenal, being the bench of Ramsdale. And then Horvath goes to Luton Town. Uh, nothing in four is signed Dean Henderson, so Horvath wasn't going to play. He fixes the bad transfer, gets a loan to get minutes to try to be in the World Cup. And Zach Steffen, too, pushes his way out of Manchester City on a loan to Middlesbrough. We'll play in the championship, just like Ethan Horvath, and get minutes. I mean, you kind of already explained Zach Steffen, but those are my four and five. All right. Number five for me is Chris Richards to Crystal Palace. Now, that has not been officially uh, you know, announced by the club, but it's been well reported. He's had his medical. I don't know what the holdup is. I know Crystal Palace is still on tour right now, so possibly waiting. The reason I like this is two reasons. One, it is a huge step up from Hoffenheim. I'm not a huge step up. It's a step up to play from the Bundesliga into the Premier League. But Chris Richards has already showed that he can play in the Bundesliga. So the step up is not that dramatic, number one. Number two, Patrick Vieira last season wanted to play in a back three, especially against the better teams, but he just didn't have the players to do it. If you watch the preseason of Crystal Palace, they're now playing in a back three. So the fact that... It's a back three, which is how he played in Hoffenheim. I don't know if he'll start right away, but I think there's enough spots in a back three for him to get rotational minutes in the Premier League, which for me is good because if he had gone back to Bayern Munich with the additions that they had made, I don't know how much playing time he would have gotten. And I think it's a good move for Chris Richards. It's a reasonable team. It's a jump up. There's an adapting, you know, there's going to be a betting in period that isn't going to be necessarily easy for him. And if he makes mistakes, he'll have to learn from them. But overall, I really like this move. I think it's a good level for Chris Richards. And I think the fact that Vieira wants to play a back three will be beneficial to him. Yeah, it has to be a back three because the first two, their defense was very good last year in the Premier League, Crystal Palace. Yeah. Right. Um, with Anderson and Mark Gehi. I think I said it right. Yeah. We'll keep saying I get the pronunciation. But the thing is, uh, Mark Gehi also could leave next summer. Right. He's like, 21 22 english center back very good one very yeah. good center back so i can see him leaving crystal palace and that can open up more of a space for chris richards but this even this season he'll get minutes uh as a as a third center back or maybe you know center backs get a lot of yellow cards suspensions injuries injuries yeah and it's the premier league it's going to force him to face the best attackers in the world he's going to be coached by a, a Patrice Vieira, Oviera, um, that defensively, he really organized that back line last season for Crystal Palace. And I'm sure he knows what he's doing there. Um, it'll be good. And he'll also be training against good players. Like, he's going to have to be defending against Wilfred Zaha. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I, I like that move, too. I didn't really consider it for my top five because it wasn't official. So, I was just like, do I mention it? But, but yeah, like you said, uh, it's pretty much said and done at this point it's just they just need to announce it should we quickly run through the 15 transfers that happen so people know what they are it's sometimes easy to get uh, lost want me to read them quickly or you got it yeah uh, go ahead so quickly going through them and i might repeat some that we already said leeds united had the addition of brendan aronson and tyler adams 
PFOC went from BSC Young Boys in Switzerland to Union Berlin. Luca De La Torre left Heracles in the Eredivisie, well, the second division of the Eredivisie, uh, and went to Celta de Vigo in La Liga. Chris Richards, which we're saying that he's going to Bayern, from Bayern to Crystal Palace. Zach Steffen on the loan from Manchester City to Middlesbrough in the championship. Ethan Horvath from Nottingham Forest to Luton Town in the English championship. Matt Turner from the New England Revolution to Arsenal, full transfer. Haji Wright, that's not really a transfer. We made a joke that it's the return of those who never left. He returns to Antalya Sport. Now they bought him permanently from Soldajewski for around $2 million. Malik Tillman, he goes on, was it a loan or a full transfer? I think it was a loan with an option to buy. Okay, so Malik Tillman goes on a loan to Rangers with an option to buy. Shaq Moore leaves Tenerife in La Liga 2 and goes to Nashville in MLS. Nico Giochini leaves Cain, Kane, right? He was in Montpellier on a loan, but he belongs to Kane. Leaves and goes back to, not back, goes to MLS to play for Orlando City. Austin Trusty, that belongs to Arsenal, will be playing the championship with Birmingham City. Brian Reynolds went on a loan from Roma to Westerlo. I think I said it right. Westerlo yeah. in Belgium. Kobe Henry left USL and went to Rons in League A. I don't know his situation there. Kobe Henry, the center back, probably the U23s. He's 17 only. Yeah, he's very um, young. So those are the transfers that had happened. And obviously, John Brooks will happen eventually. He has no club right now. Novakovic went to Venezia. So another American in Venezia. There's a lot of American in Venezia. And obviously, Matt Miazga will get a transfer. Ledesma might get a loan. Hoppy. Who knows? Hoppy. That would be a big one. Yeah, Hoppy. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And next week, we're going to do a full preview for the Yanks abroad. All, we're going to talk about almost all the players. Me and Pete are going to get the, the USMNT abroad script, and we're going to go in order. It's going to be, we call it like a pre-USMNT abroad episode. Yeah, yeah. We'll basically look at the season yeah. to come and, and rate. We'll, we'll give out some predictions for how people will do, but we're also just going to look at everyone's new situation and, and sort of talk about what we expect, how they'll perform, uh, what are the pitfalls Awards. they might face. What? Awards. We're going to do awards. Yeah, we're going to do like awards. That's, that's well, a good way. Is to it awards? Um, it's not awards. It's like a... Predictions? Most, yeah, most sort awards. of like a predictions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that next week. But everyone, I'm going to let Pete close this one since I was the one opening it. Go ahead, Pete. As always, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Again, if you can, it really helps us a lot. If you rate and review, preferably a five-star rating, give us a good review. Thanks for listening. And uh, another thing you can do is text your friend. Say, hey, you should, you know, if you have a friend who's into soccer, just shoot them a text right now. At the end of this podcast, just say, hey, you should check out the Tactical Yanks podcast um, or, you know, check out our YouTube channels. To be an evangelist of the game, just introduce us to other people so that other people can also find us and hopefully become fans of the game and more knowledgeable about the game as well. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon.